0: That, and here's the thing, and here's why it's easier for them, John, if you really think about it. It becomes easy for the court because the court is essentially saying, Oklahoma, you make this call. Texas, you make this call. Illinois, you make this call. Uh, Illinois, if you want to, you have our blessing. Oklahoma, if you don't want to, you have our blessing. But John, let me tell you why that, that logic is dangerous, particularly when it comes from the highest court in the land, is that there are things in our society that we can't afford for that to happen with segregation. What happens if the Supreme Court said, we should just let Alabama decide? <laughs> we should let Oklahoma decide if Black students attend their yeah. uh, public schools with white students. That's the danger, I think, here, is that w- sometimes they default to the 10th Amendment on tough issues, saying, just let the states decide. We have a 10th Amendment. But you know they sort of ignore the fact, John, that we have a 9th Amendment. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Knowledge Brews Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity, and it is I, your host, Dr. John Chancy, back and better than ever. Today's episode of Knowledge Brews Supreme is brought to you by Barnana Snacks, a tasty, healthy alternative to many of your favorite snacks. I personally love their Himalayan sea salt plantain chips with only three ingredients, Himalayan sea salt, plantains, and coconut oil. And these chips taste amazing. Plus, Barnana believes in economic and environmental sustainability. So check them out online at barnana.com. So, the first word in the title of this podcast is knowledge. And recently, um, as many of you know, uh, a draft, a leaked draft of Supreme Court Justice Alito's uh, majority opinion ruling on Dobbs versus Jackson's women Health Organization that leaked to the public. Uh, and if this draft were to hold up, it would mean a 6-3 conservative supermajority overturning the legal precedent for uh, legal abortion in the United States, overturning Roe v. Wade from 1973, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey in 1992. So this potential decision is controversial to say the least. Um, I can't stop reading things about this, articles, listening to podcasts, and really just trying to stay informed on this, you know, groundbreaking topic and decision. Uh, and because of that, I wanted to bring someone on Knowledge Brew Supreme with the expertise to talk about this subject, really to help us all learn more about this extremely relevant topic. And, you know, I understand that, that the subject of, ab- of abortion and this topic and the ruling, it's, it's very politically charged. So I'm going to try my best to just navigate this as objectively as possible. So my guest for today's show is the one and only Dr. Stephen Collins. He is a colleague of mine at OSU OKC. He is a professor of political science at this institution. Uh, He is a graduate of Oklahoma, uh, the University of Oklahoma's law school, Boomer Sooner. Uh, And he even has his own practice in criminal defense. So I feel like he is a perfect guest to bring on this show. So welcome to Knowledge Brew Supreme, Dr. Collins. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. I'm surviving the Oklahoma heat, uh, John. I'm trying to, anyway. Uh, But it it is an absolute pleasure of mine to be on with you today. I love talking about. I consider talking about these issues a hobby. Um, I would do these things just for fun. So I'm, I'm really uh, ecstatic that you had me on today.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, and you're right. It is very hot out. You know, in Oklahoma currently. I'm sure that is many people are feeling the heat right now. But hopefully. Uh, I mean, I'm hopefully not going to put you on too much of a hot seat with these questions today. I just, I want you to bring your expertise, your engagement. I know you're, you're going to, uh, I know you've got a lot to say on this topic, which is why I'm really yeah. excited to have you on. So I want to jump right into it. You know, it, the, the, the leak, you know, it came out, I believe it happened overnight. Um, and, and then people started to digest the information overnight and, you know, the following day. So I'm curious, what were your sort of initial thoughts when you heard about the leaked Alito draft, are you were you surprised by the draft? Were you surprised by the reaction to it?
0: Um, I was I was a little bit surprised. Um, considering the topic, though, it's such a highly charged topic. Um, and as you know, in the last few years, uh, President Trump, the court has swung uh, conservative. I mean, uh, I don't think this will be the last of the six to three sort of decisions that we might get in the future. Um, abortion has long been on sort of this wish list of items, uh, particularly for hardcore conservatives and definitely for evangelicals. So um, I wasn't surprised by what I read from Alito. Um, Leaks have happened. I mean, contrary to popular opinion, I mean, leaks even happened with the original Roe decision. So it's it's not something that we haven't seen before. Um, But I do think a a ton of leaks could sort of undermine our institutions a bit. and I think it could be bad for both sides, uh, to be honest. Um, but I kind of have my uh, thought and speculations about who might have done it. Um, you know, you get these stories about who, who, who might have done this. But um, I think it could have been a clerk. But it, it could have been a clerk who was privy to the information, obviously, because clerks help write. They help draft things. Um, and it could have been a clerk who was sort of on the liberal side, who sort of wanted, who sort of was upset about i sure. about it and, and said, okay, well, to hell with it, you know, so, but that's just speculation that I have there. Obviously, it's sort of hard to prove um, who did it. And obviously, you know, the Chief Justice opened, launched an investigation.
2: Sure, It'll yeah. be
0: interesting to see what uh, comes of his investigation on who the leaker is.
2: Yes. So I
1: do want to go back to something you mentioned in, in your previous answer. You talked about, you know, you, you think this is the, just the beginning of potential 6-3, kind of the super conservative majority. And you also brought up there was a leak during Roe as well. And what I want to kind of, kind of double back and think about is, if we think about the conservative structure of the court as it is now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this in regard to Wade, but from what I understand, wasn't the majority in the Wade and in the in the uh, Roe v. Wade decision also considered conservative at the time? Oh sure. So how yeah, are those? I mean... you, you go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, I was just going to say it, Roe. Versus weight at the time was a little bit shocking too. I mean, it, yeah. mainly just because of the time frame. Sure, sure. I mean, we're talking about the '70s, and also because of Jane wrote. By the way, her name was Norma McCorvey. Um, it was very interesting because at the time, you know, she sought an abortion, and her friends. She even acknowledged that her friends encouraged her to say that she was raped. Wow. Um, and to sort of skirt the law because at that time there was a provision for that. And um, obviously, that would have been a felony. You you can't falsify a police reports. She said some people tried to get her to falsify that, um, to get that legally in Texas, and she thought. And another side story is she never had an abortion. Oh wow! She was a plaintiff in Roe, but she never got an abortion. You know, she never had a an abortion because obviously time is of the essence with court cases, and you know, with pregnancy. I mean, it might take you years to get a case to the Supreme Court. Yes. Um, and eventually, through the years, she flipped her stance.
2: And oh, she, wow. started
0: doing pro- she started to do promotional uh, and advertisements for pro-life organizations.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: she ran an ad with the Catholic Church. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty interesting that before she died, she, um, and by the way, anyone out there listening, if they, if they want a good bit of watch or materials, they need to check out the documentary that was done on her later in her life because she got extremely sick Oh wow! and they got good interviews with her around that time. I think it might've been emphysema. She has some breathing issues. And as they were doing the documentary, she had an oxygen tank and everything that she carried around with her. And that was very, very, very informative. And I'll try to find the name for you now for those who might be interested in it.
1: Sure, definitely. So kind of thinking about that, how I mean, I guess this is kind of a big picture question about the court. But what is the difference between how we conceptualize a conservative court now that rules against Wade but we had a conservative court in the 70s that rules in favor of Wade. How has that definition of conservatism changed or evolved? Because clearly something's changed.
0: Yeah, it's changed. It's changed upon. I mean, a bunch, the division in the country, obviously, as we know is very palpable. Sure. Um, and it's not, the court is not the only thing that we see this, that this has happened to. Yes. When I talk to my students about Congress, for instance, Congress is, is breaking away from the quote unquote middle. Um, John, there, 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 there are hardly any moderates anymore. Those individuals that would say, Hey, you know, I'm kind of in the middle on this. And I think our solutions sort of lie in the middle or salute our compromise lies in the middle. Yes. You know, our country was, was founded on compromise. And I think that we have less individuals willing to cross the aisle to effect compromise. Everybody sort of is in it for keeps and you find that the right has gone, um, pretty far to the right. Um, and then you you even find that the, the left is moving away from the middle. There's sort of this void in the middle. And I think that you yeah. can see that in the court, too. Oh, sure. sure. You know, that you see those, you see that absence of that, you know, and that's why I think the, the latest appointments from President Trump were very key and significant to sort of the things we're going to see in the future. Is It's one thing you can't say, he did not put a moderate there. <laughs> Right, right, and now what their true agenda will be in time, none of us will know. We obviously know that there are those sort of wishless items that I could deem wishless items from um, the right. Don't be surprised, John, if you see them go after uh, same-sex marriage next.
1: Right. Yes. Um, yeah. This a very real concern. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't and, and and how they how they cover this, John, is they wrap it in states' rights.
2: Yes. yes.
0: That hey, we're not taking this away. We're just letting Oklahoma decide yes yeah right it's it, it sort of they're sort of playing a game it's semantics right right you still have a right but who i really fear that this will hurt to be honest is if there's a woman out there and she has means mm. she can travel she has money yeah it's likely that she won't be shut out sure, but sure. who, who are, I, I fear the impact john on poor women
1: yeah, it, it seems like that is the, yeah, that'll be the first, the group probably to be hit the hardest um, by the, by this potential ruling. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's, I'm and sure you know, a lot Texas, of people will be impacted, but,
0: yeah. Sure. Uh, Texas arrested a lady by the name of Mrs. Herrera. They put a half a million dollar bond on her head. Uh, they charged oh, her with no. first degree murder. And um, she sat there for a while until they said, hey, there's insufficient evidence. I, I'm not for sure she lawyered up. She might have lawyered up to put some pressure on Texas. sure. But, I don't necessarily know if they think that they can get convictions out of these John or this is just fear and control. That if you arrest somebody for first degree murder that's a pretty good scare tactic. Uh
1: yeah. Yeah. No no
0: kidding. Right? No kidding. Yeah, so and you know Texas had the 6 week ban. Right. Um so we've seen those around the, I think Mississippi which is what the case is based on by the way.
2: Yes,
1: the 15 week. The 15 week. Yes. Yes. And so that's a pretty good segue, because I'm very curious, I want to know from your expertise. So I really just want to know more generally about how the Supreme Court works. And so in your expertise, can you give just a quick kind of rundown of like, how does it how does the Supreme Court get a case like Dobbs v. Jackson, and then how does the court reach that decision like I you know I can remember taking American federal government in college and taking it in high school but you know I definitely could use a refresher I mean because it's you know this is a a, this is a very complex process from kind of beginning to an end and so I'm curious uh how you would respond to that
0: yeah and so um when we look at how the Supreme Court actually gets a case um and, and you know they take such a small percentage Yes, of cases, you know, and obviously people listening, I don't know if they've heard of the term or not, but the writ of certiorari is really key here And the Supreme Court doesn't have to accept the case, but john they don't even have to give you a reason. Oh wow why they don't why they don't issue a writ of certiorari. So, um, in this case, obviously they wanted to issue a writ and I think john sometimes with issues they're waiting on the case.
1: Oh wow yes.
0: I think there are times when they're waiting on they're waiting on that issue. Like I was telling you about marriage, maybe being down the pike. Don't be surprised if having those conservative justices there are sort of a license for an individual to challenge a law.
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Knowing
0: that knowing that they will take that up, knowing that that is an issue that they've been talked about. They've been briefed on because there are some of those issues that they have seen for years. I think abortion was the biggest fish. Don't get me wrong. But there are other fish. Oh, sure, that they that they want to catch. But in in a nutshell, they do issue a writ of certiorari, and it's such an, a a small amount of cases. It impact. It has to impact the country. Typically, if it impacts a group or a or a, a local organization, or the impact must be huge, like segregation. Right, the court's going to hear that, or um, the individual mandate with Obamacare. It's something that has this sort of wide uh, reach and effect like abortion that the court's going, going to accept cert on. But the interesting thing is they don't have to tell you why they didn't take a case. Oh, wow. So the, cert, the writ of certia is very powerful.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: You know, when the Supreme court decides to take that up.
2: Right. So
1: you, you kind of started to address my next question, but I definitely want to explore it further. So it, the way things are going, it appears that Roe v. Wade Casey will also be overturned. So I guess, what does this mean for anyone in the United States who is attempting to receive an abortion?
0: Okay, so here's what it means sort of, uh, I guess it doesn't mean anything until the decision is made uh, official, although sure. th- there are states who have already rushed to sort of put these trigger laws in effect, John. Yes. you know, these trigger laws that, hey, if this is overturned, this law will take effect.
1: Is Oklahoma one of those?
0: Yeah, you know, Oklahoma has it where it's just sort of at conception now right oklahoma looked at texas as six week john and they basically said hold my beer <laughs> yeah
1: you know? i'm not, uh, not because it's funny but it's it's just it's, right. very, it's very bleak oh my god right
0: and in no shocker in oklahoma obviously oklahoma is one of the reddest states yes in, in the nation and so no shocker there that um oklahoma is sort of ready to sort of pounce on that decision and i think what's more interesting john is it used to be viability right the supreme court protected viability and that was seen as somewhere i think between 24 and 26 weeks
1: yeah i think you're right yeah yeah
0: now what we see with individuals the states like oklahoma playing with sort of this on conception what else does that put at issue now john does this is that the morning after pill now
1: sure that's what i mean i think that could easily fall under that
0: does that bring that into focus obviously I, i haven't seen a great rush to sort of um uh, make those things uh, unavailable to people. But you sort of wonder what this does. And and what you've seen a rush now. I don't know if you've heard about this. There's been a rush on, on contraceptives. Yes. And uh, I forgot what group it was, and pardon me, I forgot the name, but they did sort of research after Trump was elected, too, and they said there was also a rush after he got elected. Wow sort of a run on contraceptives and that these women that are scared. I read an interview this morning with a woman who said she's scared about the choices she won't be able to make for herself. Um, and so she said that's the reason she was considered, I believe in her case, an IUD. Wow. So you I think you'll see sort of women make sort of these decisions on, hey, what are some things I have to do now for the fear that I won't be able to make this choice in a
1: year? Yes, much more you know, so. long-term planning, having to think much more, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and I also too, John. I want to say the Department of Homeland Security. Um, don't know if you heard about this. They're bracing, according to them, they're sort of bracing for any sort of violence that might ensue. Oh, wow! Based on this, so their 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 antenna are up for when anything that violence, might come
1: out. from which side? Both or either? Yeah, or... and I think I
0: think I think from both. Wow. Sides. I mean, I, and I do think it's interesting, John, that we we talk about a, a, an issue that involves life, and the main argument is life. And people are willing to take a life over it. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, a person is willing to blow up a clinic and all staff inside of it and say they're pro life.
1: Yeah. I don't know how that
2: adds how up, that, but. Right.
0: How does that add up in their head? Which, sure le- right. which, which sort of lets you know that sometimes there are, there are feelings involved in this and not facts or logic. Yes. And that's yes. when it gets dangerous, is when your, your feelings are involved in it.
1: Yes. And that this know. issue is so contentious. People uh, have a lot of a lot of strong feelings about this.
0: Strong, strong feelings.
1: Yeah. So thinking about the draft itself, you know, I've read it, uh, and the gist of this of Justice Alito's leaked draft is that Roe v. Wade and abortion, you know, these are these are not grounded in historical or cultural precedent of the United States. Um, But I'm curious, you know, what are some other ways the Supreme Court justice or the court itself might go about deciding the constitutionality of a ruling? Like there's there has to be other lenses to kind of view these problems than just history or cultural precedent, correct?
0: Yeah, here's what I feel like the court always likes to default to, especially on tricky issues. They just make it about the 10th Amendment. They, (laughs) they, They make it about states' rights. That, and here's the thing, and here's why it's easier for them, John, if you really think about it. It becomes easy for the court because the court is essentially saying, Oklahoma, you make this call. Texas, right. you make this call. Illinois, you make this call. Uh, Illinois, if you want to, you have our blessing. Oklahoma, if you don't want to, you have our blessing. But John, let me tell you why that, that logic is dangerous, particularly when it comes from the highest court in the land, is that there are things in our society that we can't afford for that to happen with segregation. What happens if the Supreme Court said, we should just let Alabama decide? <laughs> we should let Oklahoma decide if Black students attend their yeah. uh, public schools with white students. That's the danger, I think, here, is that w- sometimes they default to the 10th Amendment on tough issues saying, just let the states decide. We have a 10th Amendment. But you know they sort of ignore the fact, John, that we have a 9th Amendment. <laughs> Because if you notice, you said you had read the opinion, and when you read over it, I can't help but uh, remember Alito's references to, this is not in the Constitution.
2: Yes, right, right, right. But John,
0: there's a lot that's not in the Constitution that we enjoy. Yes. Right? There, it, it, the privacy is not mentioned in the Constitution. Nope. But no one would argue that privacy is not something that you and I should enjoy. Exactly. Right? And so I thought that was interesting that Alito sort of, he, 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 he fell back on sort of that age-old... Well, it's not even mentioned anyway. Yeah, you're right. The Ninth Amendment specifically says because something's not mentioned, you can't use that to sort of disparage or keep those rights from people. <laughs> right. So that, that scares. Right. It, it scares me when they default to. Well, it's not listed. There's a whole bunch of things. I mean, as as a black man, John, I have to I have to mention this. That there's three amendments that I can cite right now that I needed sure. to be a first class citizen. Yeah. Things that they, you know, conveniently forgot, like me not being a slave. I need an amendment for that. Me having the right to vote. I need an amendment for that. Equal protection clause. I needed an amendment for that. So sometimes it, it gets me when justices sort of rely on, well, that's not mentioned.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you're right. That's that's a very dangerous precedent. And even you know, throughout the throughout the draft, you know, Alito goes out of his way to say, oh, no, 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 this only applies to abortion, you know, because you're talking about the potential you know, taking of lives, but I I just don't, I don't know any way we can, we can trust that kind of logic, I just, I don't know, that to me seems like, uh, that's very, very spurious, I just can't, uh, I can't, I can't buy that at all.
0: John, I want to make a comment too, because when I was thinking about being on, being on with you today, I always try to tell my students, let's try to find the root issue of anything we talk about, and I think the root issue here, the more I think about it, John, is who individuals believe gives life, because because John, I think there are individuals out there who say, hey, if God gives life, he's the only one that can take it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I had a student say as such in one of her essays, that how dare you even think about taking what God gave? If you think that fundamentally, John, abortion to you then is an easy call that you shouldn't take something that God blessed you with. It reminds me of the TV show. I don't know if you remember seeing it. It was a lady in Arkansas, a family in Arkansas, the Duggars.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Remember that? Yeah.
0: It was 21 kids, I think. Right. They asked her a question in an interview and it always stuck with me. They said, how many more kids do you want to have? And (laughs) she said, as many as God blesses us with.
1: Wow, yeah. And And I
0: thought that that was big
1: you have but a lot manager. of people who are who are operating from that very that very perspective and yes it kind of sounds like some of our supreme court justices are also operating from that perspective but um, also
0: john is that also anti contraceptive
1: that is a that is a one of those slippery slope issues. We don't you know, we don't know. I mean, it, yeah. I think this is something that people have to be very concerned about, though. I mean, right. even though Alito says, hey, we're not going to go after these other things like right. contraceptive use, interracial marriage, uh, you know, same sex marriage. I mean, yes. all these potential, you know, um, areas of states rights, you know, whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh, right.
0: I mean, we can't forget what the trial judge said in the loving case. You mentioned uh, interracial marriage. Yes. the trial court judge mentioned that it was God's will that we not mix the races because there was a reason that that God put black people in Africa. Oh my God. The trial judge mentioned this.
1: And you, you can't tell me that there isn't somebody out there in a position of power who doesn't believe that to some degree, like, uh,
0: yeah. And you wonder God's will and how that's interpreted, but we're definitely seeing it in this issue. I think you cannot escape the religious, at this point, I don't even think they're undertones. Sure. Um, this is a religious uh, issue and like I said evangelicals I think John for some time have really wanted this uh, heard again and now with the six three court, I think we hang on for about 20 years John to see what happens I mean that's just kind of where I am on this i it's gonna be interesting
1: yeah so this is this is not the beginning or not the end excuse by any means it may be no. the very beginning of the beginning so not at all um yeah and I, I kind of want to jump into. Well, yeah, let's go into, I have a question. We kind of we kind of already addressed one of my questions, but I want to roll right into this next one related to some poll data. So according to a poll, I, you know, you hear a lot of polls cited about Americans, you know, the positions about abortion. Um, it sounds like the majority of, of Americans are in favor of Roe and obviously don't want it to be overturned. But, I, you know, I found a poll by Marquette University Law, 72% of Americans surveyed do not favor the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So pretty large majority there. This same poll also found that there is a growing distrust in America's highest court, the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, Only 51% of Americans in this survey view the court favorably. This is down from 66% in 2020. So we're talking about, you know, a 14% drop in about two years. So What does the decision or the potential decision of overturning Wade, overturning Casey, what does that mean for an institution like the U.S. Supreme Court and how they are viewed publicly?
0: Um, I think what you're seeing is that that, that it's sort of the delegitimization of the Supreme Court. Um, And the statistics show us a very important thing, I think, a very dangerous, John, is if it's supported by a majority of people, it makes you wonder, if a majority of people support it, are you essentially, as a country, in your nation's highest court, are you run by the minority?
1: I think that is an. I think that has to be a very real concern. I think th- the idea of sort of a min- minoritarian politics is very much on on our minds. Not just yes. with the Supreme Court, but thinking about the way Congress is operating. I mean, Democrats have a majority in both houses. They have the presidency, yet their inability to get things done is largely due to the way the politics of how, you know, majority minority parties are able to govern and sure. some, you know, some look at that as one of a, a major problem in our country, you know, not just at the supreme court level but all levels of government.
0: And you know, we didn't real, we didn't realize at the time, but when Mitch McConnell held on to that seat and didn't let Obama uh, put in Merrick Garland who is now yeah. the attorney general now. Yes. Thought that's interesting in a twist of fate there. Um, who knew how um, significant that would be in the political landscape that, oh, you know, sure. that, seat, that seat was essentially saved and Republicans sort of really um, hedged their bets on Trump winning. Yes. And hey, if he does win, he can fill this seat immediately. Um, you know, and obviously he was able to do that. Um, and I think what's interesting now, John, are you hearing these senators now who are just a little bit upset that they were lied to in these these pre-confirmation <laughs> meetings? Right. And we, we knew that they were being duped at the time. Sure. Uh, Susan Collins from Maine said that, well, this would this is this would be out of character for what Kavanaugh told me in our meetings.
1: <laughs> it, you know, yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's like that old fable about the scorpion crossing the, you know, the river and he stings the, you know, the duck or whatever to help him get across It's like, well, you know, it was a scorpion. What'd you expect? What did you expect?
0: Uh, I mean, what did you expect I, them to say? They, they're going to tell you what they want to, to get confirmed. Same with Amy Coney Barrett. Sure. That, um, sure hey, sure. will you make sure that this right is protected? Um, and a majority of citizens in Maine obviously want that. You cited off the statistic for the nation. Yeah. Um, sure. And also, too, I've had students ask me, John, is it as simple as this? If you don't want one, don't get one. <laughs> is it that simple? That if you don't want one, don't pursue one.
2: But right.
0: If, it's different with that, John. If if it's a little bit fascist, you and I both are familiar with that. Yes. Fascism promotes total control. <laughs> You're right. 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 And it's... Not, not not John making a decision for he and his family. John's saying, "I want I want this also to be the rules you play by." Yes. We're dealing with that now, John. Is that individuals are saying you will play by these rules because we are telling you what is right,
1: and that is supposedly conservative.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the, that's one thing that scares me a bunch is what else can they tell me that I have to play my rules on that I don't believe, you know, Kim Davis was a court clerk in Kentucky after the Ober- Obergefell case, same-sex marriage in 2015. She didn't want to sign any of the licenses for same-sex couples. So John, I ask I want to ask anybody listening to us on this podcast, does anybody doubt that if that was, if that's an issue again, where court clerk challenges that anybody doubt now what the ruling would be from the Supreme court?
1: Go right back to the states, we would be exactly where we were. Exactly going all the way from you know Hawaii to Oberfeld. I mean, all the you know it would just be yeah. just yep. an exactly. absolute mess. Absolutely, right.
0: and that's and that's and I think that's where we are now, which is the reason you have women now that are saying, "Wait a second, John, a medical procedure isn't political on its face because you'd have to think you have women who are registered Democrat, women yeah. who are registered Republican, who would seek one."
2: Sure. Oh yes.
0: Yeah. That's where we are now. The basic science behind it is not political at all. It women are going to seek these options with, regardless of what aisle they're on. This yeah. is when it's going to get very interesting. <laughs> yes. You know, there's like there's like one clinic, I think, in Mississippi. I think there's two in Oklahoma. You're going to have women traveling. And it's interesting, these corporations are now saying no, we will cover for- travel.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. Microsoft, Amazon. I've even heard, and I doubt, and and obviously this is a whole nother can of worms in terms of constitutionality, but I have even heard mention of the the Biden administration looking into how Medicaid and Medicare, you know, how could those be used to potentially pay for somebody to go across state lines and and receive that kind of care. So it'll be, it is is nowhere near uh, a a decision being made and how this will impact, you know, there's so many layers to this that have yet to kind of unfurl. So
0: we'll be seeing that we'll be seeing it for years.
1: Yes, yes, and and so kind of jumping off, I want to segue kind of into a, a topic, and again, this is why I love having you here as an expert on this topic. And I, I don't know the answer to this. Um, are there any other, either recent or maybe even just historical examples of the Supreme Court removing once held rights, like now? Well, I know they didn't necessarily remove the right to abortion, but they basically kicked the can down to the states. Are there other historical examples like that where the court just says, eh? let the states decide it, let the, let them vote on it or, or something along those lines.
0: Right. Well, and, and John, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of times where that happens is there's a long established right, but then the Supreme Court sort of weighs in on it and restricts that right that everybody thought, well, you know, not necessarily. And I think it's pretty interesting. You look at marriage. Yes. Right. Um. And you look at, and I, I mention this oftentimes in class, you look at all the restrictions that individuals put on marriage, but you look 100 years ago, John, with marriage, people were marrying (laughs) 13-year-olds, Yeah,
1: right? right. It's
0: interesting when people talk about sort of what's seen as normal and acceptable today, and you look back on it and you say, well, look at marriage 100 years ago, right? I do think sometimes there are instances where the Supreme Court can institute sort of these regulations on issues before that were unregulated, Oh, sure. Before, yeah, yeah. And now the Supreme Court s- sort of puts a spin. But to answer your question directly, not any right that has the impact that we're going to see with abortion. Right. I can't think of one, John, where you go, this is huge, where they essentially said they're overturning years of precedent and yeah. it, it goes right into the heart of privacy. Um, and I think what you're gonna find, uh, John, with women particularly, um, you're gonna find a great rush on contraceptives. Uh, you're gonna find women who travel to seek care. I don't know if you saw the ad that was released, John. It's a pretty scary ad where a mom and a daughter are traveling and they're stopped at the border. Oh my God! And they, they, the, in the ad, they had the, they wanted the daughter to get out so they can examine her to find out if she was pregnant because they thought they were running across the border for uh, abortive services. And the ad was put out as a scare tactic to say, is this where we are? And I don't know, John, if you or your listeners have watched The Handmaid's Tale, but I watched it and I thought, ah, The Handmaid's Tale, this is so off the wall, this could never happen. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. And now it's, you know, could be, could be a few months, few years away from being the reality. Who knows? Right. Right. Have you watched that series? I have not watched the entirety of it. Um, I I tried to get into it, but it is so dark and so bleak, very difficult to watch.
0: Yeah, I'll um, warn your listeners that it is definitely very dark if you decide to watch it. I kind of got hooked on it a little bit just from the standpoint of there's so many civil rights things I took from it. Yes. Uh, yes. But, you know, Gilead, John, I thought there's no way that that, could, that we could be Gilead or that women could be regulated in such a way. In the, in the show, John, they were just strictly host. Wow. They exist as host.
2: Yeah. And how can anyone
0: not see what's going on now to go, I think some people view them as that.
1: Literally, yes.
0: They're just host.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: You know, and they should be regulated so they make the right choices.
2: <laughs> so, nice.
1: Well, so I want to think about the response. You know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of outcries from I think from a lot of different folks, you know, politically involved uh, in the government, outside of it. you know, Democratic politicians, especially, I think you know, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, they're looking at this from the macro perspective and saying, you know, we're, you, you hear them coming out and not only talking about the issue of abortion, but also the potential of other rights that could be in jeopardy based on the Supreme Court's ruling. In your opinion, do you think this is the right strategy by the left to, say, address this not just as the singular issue of abortion, but these are the other things that could be impacted by this ruling, so we need to act now?
0: I think it's a good strategy by the left. I just, it makes me wonder what impact it will have on in midterms or 2024. It makes me wonder the impact. Are, are people going to see the pandemic and the economy as bigger? And another thing too, John, we have to be, uh, we have to look at, what impact is this going to have on conservatives? Maybe some of your listeners who are conservative can let us know. I don't know if anyone is able to comment on the video, but are conservatives less energized because they caught the big fish?
2: Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's like the dog who finally catches the car. You don't know what to do with it. You got it. Wait, what do you do?
0: <laughs> because there were a ton of single issue voters out there, John, that their single issue was abortion. Yeah. What happens to them now? Hey, you caught your big fish. Are you as energized now when it's the economy or, or taxes or health care or right? Is right. it and that'll be interesting for me is what does it do to energy from evangelicals?
1: will they pick another issue you know will Mm -hmm. they will they jump from okay we took this big fish out now let's go catch the next one or is it kind of like you know maybe it's a maybe we see a a, some disengagement perhaps i don't know i would tend to bet that they will keep mobilizing and keep finding ways to stay active but it is going to be extremely interesting to see
0: i think it's that president biden is an interesting position because of this a the pandemic and the economy yeah because it's hard for me to believe uh you know, John, that the midterms won't be about the economy to a certain extent because conservatives are going to pin gas prices, yes, and inflation. They're going to say, "Hey, you know that you know mothers couldn't get baby food." You know, they're going <laughs> right. to make it sort of these scare taxes, which is interesting because a vast a, a number of Republicans voted against the 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 uh, baby formula bill. So it becomes like, are we looking at individuals, John, who are pro birth or are they truly pro life?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put that's it. That's what I
0: want to know. I'd love to know yeah. from conservatives, are you are you just pro-birth and then after the kids are born, you don't want to provide safety net programs for them at all?
1: No. Or, or they're okay with, let's say, uh, you know, uh, uh, capital punishment. You know, that's... That it's not doesn't really line up with pro life a whole lot. Um, and I've
0: thought about that too, John. That if individuals supports uh, capital punishment, right? They say you get the, that you must do the time, or you the punishment must fit the crime. The sure. question I would have is then, what value? Everybody puts, I guess, a value on life. That is that their way of saying that there are certain instances where they think life could be terminated.
1: Oh sure. Yeah. That hey, if
0: you commit a crime, it's okay. Right. But so the then area. that tells me that it's not right right it, it you sort of get into a lot of semantics there when if you're pro-life which which causes me to say that in some instances i look at oklahoma i was born and raised here same i'm going to call them pro-birth until they do things to enhance the lives of children in our state most through yeah. the public school system for instance
1: yeah well, be pro-life I, throughout the entirety of the lifespan not just that not case. just
0: that one period. It's like they really <laughs> want to say, well, you are made to have it. And one issue I want to bring up, John, for men. Sure. For your male listeners. How would your male listeners feel about this? If there was a new law made tomorrow where they had to pay child support beginning at conception.
1: Oh, wow. You, I bet I bet you would have a lot of mobilized voters who would uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> and right, if they, break that down. If they
0: didn't want to, John, what would they argument to be against it?
1: oh my gosh yeah they'd be like you know the choice and, and uh, life began they would basically flip yes. the arguments around yes in their own favor so right uh, it's it's how genuine then are their uh you know those arguments then? If that's, yeah,
0: these, and these are things that i would be curious about I, I want i want the listeners to know that i'm a i'm a man who enjoys discussion sure and uh you know are, are individuals able to comment on your your productions john can they comment
1: um they can comment where they're posted and um okay. if you'd like to i can leave, i can post a question that'll be up on the show and people can answer uh i'd love
0: time. to I, I just i'm a person who loves to solicit, solicit opinions i think sometimes we get caught up in this well you know i heard this guy today and you know this guy said that i want individuals to know that this is what democracy is democracy is an experiment yes yes that, that if we don't talk and we don't correspond it's hard for me to, i can't get inside your mind unless you tell me what you're thinking Exactly. because i'm not inside your mind because i disagree with that stance so in a lot of ways john it would be nice if individuals would say hey you know i heard you on and this is sort of my take on it tell me tell me your take on these things and i think sure. a back and forth is always healthy
1: yeah no I'll put, I'll put up a question people can check it out maybe just get some general thoughts about this topic sure. here and sure. and uh we'll be happy to share those and pass those along so uh yeah very excited about the the potential interaction so Um, My next question, kind of thinking about, you know, the structure of the the court, and the American government. So, you know, there are a lot of people that are obviously upset by Alito's leaked draft and the possibility of living in a post-Roe and Casey world. Um, Does all of that blame lie with the Supreme Court? And if not, how are the other two branches of the United States government complicit involved in this and what's going on right now?
0: You can't lay it at the feet of the Supreme Court. And here's the reason why. I mean, Congress is is tasked with making law. I mean, Congress could codify, uh, you know, federal abortion rights uh, this month. Sure. Uh, Now, we are so divided that that's not possible. You know, they tried, and of course, that was shot down. Um, But Congress at least has that right. The president, I don't necessarily think that he has much that he can do via executive order, for instance, but he can do a lot for what we call the bully pulpit. You know, that power of persuasion that the president wields. And in the midterms, does he, does the president gain a lot by coming out as an advocate or not? Does he mobilize a whole generation of voters? I happen to think he probably could mobilize, mobilize Gen Z. I
1: think so. Yeah.
0: That might be the new, the generation of voters, John, that will be saddled with this new decision. Because let's be honest, baby boomers are past that time.
1: Right. Well, yes. Well,
0: past. Uh, And to a certain extent, Gen X. Gen Xers like myself, but you're really looking at millennials and Gen Z right. who these they'll have to make decisions under these new laws for their own bodies.
2: Yes,
1: and and those those individuals those generations have grown up in a world where they never had to think about the possibility of living without Roe until now. I until mean, I there imagine. was always kind of that like I don't know. There's always that threat, the rumor and innuendo that it could happen, but I don't think I don't think both sides really thought like oh, this is really going to happen until. Oh my gosh there's the draft you know oh my god now we actually see it it's going to happen and i think there's right. a little bit of shock kind of sticker shock on both sides
0: and john you i want to point this out um really quickly sort of as a segue when you read, read the opinion i want to tell you the thing that maybe this disturbed me the most
1: oh please do please do
0: there was a reference made to a domestic supply of infants really that sort of that sort of disturbed me a bit I, have yeah. to be honest. I, I don't like how that feels i don't like how that sounds
1: That feels very eugenics, kind of nationalistic, very like it it does that. Hitler, you. I don't know. You're
0: going to have this baby because it's what your nation needs you to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're fighting communism again.
0: (laughs) I did not necessarily like how that was worded. That scared me a bit. And I think if you're a woman reading that, you sort of question your place in society on, okay, so I'm here to make sure that the domestic supply of infants, and John, no one's going to argue that. Uh, overpopulation is not an issue in the world. Sure. Um, no one's going to argue that the safety net programs in Oklahoma are to, a, to are to a level where uh, women can feel comfortable bringing a baby to term. And John, we haven't even talked about the exceptions.
1: <laughs> if yeah. a woman
0: is if a woman is raped in Oklahoma, That's... right? That, is this telling a woman that she has to bring her rapist baby to term?
1: that's what it sounds like that's yeah what kind of I just don't understand that what kind of world I I
0: I you know or incest
2: yes
1: you know life of
0: the mom I mean we are we are we it's just so many layers here with this argument that uh um I I I I really want to know the leaker now
1: yeah I do too and I've, I've kind of heard you know arguments for both sides like oh it could be a leak from the, you know, the left side of the court. It could even be a leak from the right side of the court, nice. by the way, to put pressure. But what I find probably most disturbing about that is uh how worked up one particular side is just about the leak. They're not worried about the ruling. They're just like, oh my, who leaked this thing? Oh my gosh, we got to find the leaker. Uh yeah, you know,
0: you're, you're more more worried about the leak than you are actually about what the decision does.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 quite interesting to think about it that way. Sure. Um and so I guess this kind of leads me up. I've just got a couple of big picture questions for you okay. as we're wrapping up. And this one I think is maybe more about societal structure here in the United States. So maybe I'm getting a little bit, you know, going outside of the realms of our discussion a little bit, but I still want to hear your opinion. Sure. I'm curious, how can we as Americans, how can we live in a country where half of the country is is subject to very restrictive laws that potentially criminalize abortion, like meaning you could go to jail for murder, but yet other states are able to expand access and provide access to people in states who don't have access. Basically what I'm wanting to know is as a country, is this functionally sustainable to have these very two stark sets of laws of governance? For, for different people. I just I don't know how long that is sustainable.
0: Well, in um it it's not sustainable, I don't think, but we have we have practice. Sure, sure. Right? Uh, that's one thing we can say as Americans, we have practice. I mean, we one of the country's original sins was slavery.
2: Yes. Where now,
0: now now obviously we know how that sort of ended, John, you know that that ended with major conflict, right? But we 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 look at the other things we've seen, segregation. You know, women's rights, marriage. We look at these things and absolutely we can. Is it sustainable? Probably not. But when you live in the United States, the only issue with that, John, is when we're not united on a lot of issues, right? it makes right. it makes travel harder. Yeah, it makes travel <laughs> difficult, right? That you might go to a state in which something's restricted and you're you know we look at marriage and you're married in one state and you're not in another. Nope, right? How sustainable was that? Uh, I happen to think the Supreme Court in 2015 said, this is like, we have to do something about this. This is not truly the United States if, marri- if I'm married in Connecticut and not in Texas.
1: And, and I guess that's kind of what I think about with the abortion. If it, it is a crime in one place, but a logical, legal, medical procedure procedure in another place, like, yes. I agree, we have lots of practice, but like from a kind of, I don't know, rationality standpoint, there's something that's not adding up here. Uh, and it makes right. me think, you know, we're we're just going to be dealing with this not in a good way for probably generations to come. Still,
0: and you know what? What's interesting to me is I read an article by a gentleman the last few days, John, and it makes me wonder if he hit the nail on the head. He 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 says that we'll just become more regionalized. Where he'll, he he, yeah. I think he said we will eventually be a, essentially like five nations within one nation, where people who believe like John Chancey live in this area. Yeah, people yeah. who believe like Stephen Collins live in this area, you know. People who believe like Justice Alito sure. live in this particular area, and I thought, you know, that would be sort of disheartening. I mean, it's uh, would we then say that the experiment of democracy is failing?
2: That
1: yeah, or what? What has become of the American dream that we right. become so isolated and sheltered and and parochial and and just like I don't know, just right. so so. Um, in our own bubbles i guess it's just uh right yeah. it's not i don't and, think it's and, what any of us would have imagined you know for america the united states of america like you
2: put it
0: right and, and, and with such a personal issue you know right. john it's a it's such a personal issue with a woman and her doctor yes and now it has become a supreme court case again where an individual or a state like oklahoma could say nope
1: or somebody in texas can literally just that, you know, become a bounty hunter overnight and, and hunt down people, that, you know, <laughs> I think abortion a... providers, Uber drivers, I mean, whatever, you could just, and, and by
0: the way, out. John, that, that scenario you just gave, handmaid's tale,
1: yeah, yeah, like, somebody's job is going to be to track down, you know, abortion, uh, and yes, uh, good grief, it is, uh, and it's, 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 it's
0: scary, and I don't, I don't want to be, I definitely don't want to be alarmist, like I told you, I do welcome, sure. I always welcome for my students, um, Arguments from both sides, but I tell individuals the arguments must be rational. They must make sense. They must be logical. I mean, yes. if the only thing you're coming to the table with is uh, this is just my belief, I need a little more.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, a I know. More. That's uh, all of us have certain beliefs, but you know that doesn't uh, entitle us to. To, you know, to push those on other people and it affect their lives, so. You know, there's a
0: lot of things that I don't like or that I particularly don't want from me or my family, sure. Tom, but I definitely wouldn't push them on you and your family.
1: Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would It would be like, you know, I I, I really like certain types of music and I, it'd be like me coming to you and <laughs> saying, Steven, you can only listen to the music I like. You know what? Like, yeah. that doesn't make sense. Like, no, we can both listen to, it's called a thing called headphones. We can both listen to the music we like and not bother each other. It's totally cool. Like, right exactly.
0: in the in the fact that you're going to basically tell a woman in that situation that she's a murderer,
2: yeah, see, that's yeah. that's
0: the thing we have to consider, John, is that they're saying, no, you're a murderer. <laughs> right that hey, yeah, no, we could put yeah. you in jail. I mean, hell, John, could they get the death penalty for it?
1: I don't see and I don't see why they couldn't in that situation. First degree murder. I mean,
0: now wouldn't that be an interesting pro-life stance?
1: Yes. We're going to kill the person. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Interesting, interesting. Well, we've kind of already a little bit touched on this last big picture question I have for you, but I want to come back to it because I still think it's a good question. And so thinking about the potential of this decision by Alito and the supermajority and future decisions, this Supreme Court hands down, do you think the Supreme Court and their new role in American politics, do you think this is ultimately what will define former president donald trump's legacy
0: yes well i I say there are a few things but um this will definitely be one because it's something that was promised yes it's been promised it's been promised for quite some time like i said this was an evangelical dream a conservative dream this was the big fish and obviously i think there are some other things that will mark his legacy um you know january 6th last year as much as people like to say that it won't but I think there'll be a few things that'll mark that presidency. I think January 6th is one, but you have to look at what he did with the Supreme Court, particularly the highest court in the land. And think about this, John. We have a president who was an unpopular president, didn't win the popular vote, right? And was twice impeached. <laughs> yeah. He had he has three justices on the Supreme Court that he appointed. And they will they will dictate policy in America for a generation.
1: Maybe long after Donald Trump is gone. I mean, we you know they could be making and influencing American yes. politics for the next fifty years. You know,
0: absolutely, I mean, it, it will be a lasting lasting impact there. And you know, you've heard of, of the refrain from the Dems and from the other side, John. that said, "Is the answer to this expanding the court?" Right. Well, the, the question there becomes, John. Here's the danger in that. Let's say you expand the court to thirteen, right? Where you say, "Well, there are thirteen federal districts, so why don't we just have thirteen justices?" I've heard that argument made. Um, you know, with the 12th circuit courts and then one D.C. circuit. Sure. Let's have 13 Supreme Court justices. Well, what's stopping conservatives, uh, John, from saying, hey, we get in power again, we're going to 15 or 17.
2: Yes, it just keeps, you know, yes, yes.
0: The, the, the danger there, even though the Supreme Court's not set at nine by the Constitution, there is no number.
1: No, no. And after you so, tried uh, this tactic, the court passed Right, right.
0: It'll be interesting to see if those if that gains any steam, particularly with millennials and Gen Z. The more of them that you see get in office.
2: Yes,
1: yes. To I don't think, hey. think that'll happen under Biden's administration, but right. we could easily see in the future. I think that's and, very. And, and
0: uh, do you think Biden will get another pick? Do you see someone like Clarence Thomas uh, retiring? Do you see anything like this happening?
1: See my, I th- the my concern with that is, I worry that with the midterm elections, we see a return to uh Republican controlled Senate and house potentially. And if that happens, even if Biden has the rest of his term and, and let's say Clarence Thomas resigns, what if they just don't even bring up his nomination? You know, what if Absolutely. a conservative Senate, said, nah, we're good. Mitch McConnell. Because we
0: know that. there's precedent for that.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, so, so I'm very, I'm very, I feel like uh, Biden got lucky with one uh, and if he gets another one i would be very surprised and especially if he gets one that takes away from the supermajority that sure. would be I, now if that were to happen i think we would have to start thinking about biden's presidency differently it would actually have some you know i think would have a longer impact on on the court and over american politics in general so that's a really interesting question to ask and i'm yeah, sure it up. it'll be interesting in, in 2022
0: and 2024 politically in america will be just Riveting.
1: <laughs> yes. So it will be riveting. It's going to be a perfect excuse to bring you back on the show. And we'll have to talk about whatever, whatever's going on Then We, there are probably things that we can't even imagine that are going to happen oh. in 2022 politics, midterms, 2024 presidential election. It's going to be unreal.
0: So hang on for the, hang on for the ride. And anytime you <laughs> want me back, any subject that involves our government or our laws, I want you to know, I just, I, I, well, I will always be here because I love talking with you. Oh, I'm so great, proud of you. Great. I'm so proud of you doing the podcast series. It's amazing.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out of my way and say, Doctor Stephen Collins, now friend of the podcast. He I is, love it. He's gonna be our politics guy. I accept
0: that. I, I allow
1: it. I accept that title. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So, I'm gonna wrap up by asking you a couple of lighter questions. Things I ask everybody who comes on the show. I know things are kind of bleak right now in American politics, but I'm just curious. What are you reading, or watching, or listening to these days to get you through these trying times? I know you just got done with your your spring semester, so maybe you've got some more time on your hands to actually do some of those things. But what are what are, what are some content that you're really hooked on right now?
0: Okay, so here's the thing. I, I want to encourage people to do this, especially when times get pretty bleak in your circles. It's always nice to take it local. to see what's happening in your own communities. You know, my mother started an after-school tutoring academy, and being involved with that has really helped because I noticed when you sort of take the focus off of sort of you and your belief system and you just help people, that gets me through because I realize that no matter what side of the aisle or no matter what race, there are kids that need help. There are college students that need help, and that's what I typically do. But one thing that I listen to, I know people might say that this has its own political leanings. I really dig into PBS.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: PBS. I do. I dig into PBS. I dig into Frontline. Um, I encourage people to watch um, anything by Ken Burns. I don't know if you oh. watch Ken Burns. I love okay. Ken Burns. Ah. <laughs> so you give me a good Ken Burns documentary, you give me anything on PBS, and I typically will walk away hopeful.
1: Did you watch the Ben Franklin? Was that Ken Burns?
0: Yeah, I believe so.
1: Okay, I haven't got It's on my yeah. DVR. I need to watch okay. it. But I'm anything in my
0: DVR. Ken Burns. And, and um, I... I haven't watched all of his, obviously, but I, I plan to watch more and more over the summer, but um, those are the sort of the things I lean in. PBS, really, and I like the fact that PBS is sort of the remnant of public access television.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, and uh, anything, anything investi- in, uh, investigative journalism, I love those things that, where they sort of go underneath the political leanings. You know, I obviously know people are leaning into Fox. I mean, I think it's the most watched uh, in America. I mean, I think even individuals who watch Fox would have to say that there's a big time lean that that network has. I encourage people to watch things that are sort of more in the middle. You know, i watch things on Vice.
1: Oh, Vice has got great news coverage.
0: News. I really? love the stuff on yeah. Vice. Would you Would you consider Vice neutral?
1: I would say they are maybe a little bit left leaning in terms of the issues they choose to cover. Because right. I think they're willing to, they're willing to look at issues that maybe other news organizations are not, but in terms of the actual coverage, it is very fair. It is okay. very neutral and balanced in that sense. So I would say it, it is one of the more neutral. If you're just looking for more objective, yes, definitely. I, I would That's say.
0: what I think too. I think it's uh it's pretty objective as far as I'm concerned. And in PBS, um, like I said, um, there are some things I think people can sort of lean into that would give them sort of information from both sides or at least allow uh, at least further minds and use their critical thinking but i really urge people to use their critical thinking if you can't think critically about an issue and you're taking your belief system in it and you're dismissing fact you're dismissing logic that's where we get ourselves in trouble
1: i completely agree so last question uh i know you you've got a lot of cool stuff going on inside outside of the classroom so i just want to know what have you got to plug? Anything cool coming up you want to share with the audience? Any way to you know kind of hear more from you or check out more right. of your work?
0: Okay, so here's a shameless plug for you. I have been at OSU OKC since 2009, uh, and I enjoy my students. I, I, I love them, and I love getting into uh, debates and great discussions with them. And anybody who's taken one of my classes can tell you that we have the best discussions on government and law. But one thing that I'm very partial to is about 10 years ago, I started a class called Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. The entire semester, uh, and I teach it once a year in the springtime. So those listeners out there that have always wanted to take a college class, I teach it at 10 o'clock in the mornings on Tuesday, Thursdays, every spring at OSU OKC, and I do it in person. The debates in person are much better. And we talk about key issues involving speech, religion, abortion, um, death with dignity or the right to die, uh, disability, um, privacy, uh, and race. And um, it, we delve into these issues so deeply and you can even ask the students that it's not necessarily about taking sides in those debates. Um, we love to, to chop around ideas and think critically. I'd love to have some of your listeners join me in this uh, civil rights class. Um, we break down civil rights and we have 16 weeks to do it.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. And that's all we talk
0: about is your civil rights. I always tell students, one thing's for sure that when you graduate or when you leave my class, you will be very familiar with your rights.
1: Oh, that's amazing stuff. Okay, yes, I, that's exciting stuff. So if you're listening to the show and you've been thinking about kind of taking classes again, or maybe you just wanna learn more about you know, civil rights and American government, check out this class. I'm sure you're, you're gonna learn a lot from Dr. Collins and uh, gonna have a lot of fun along the way as well. So uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Knowledge Brew Supreme. Again, thank you to Dr. Stephen Collins from OSUOKC for joining me today. This makes episode 29 of Knowledge Brew Supreme. I am your host, Dr. John Chancey. My goal is to reach 100 episodes. Uh, that means I'm only 71 episodes away. So thank you for listening. Please share this with someone you know, a friend, family member, loved one. Uh, Be good, be safe, and peace out.